Morning, everyone. It is such a privilege to be with you again, and uh, I'm so excited to dive back into the story of Gideon. It's been so cool going through Ephesians uh, with Ian preaching. I've been so challenged by it. I hope you have as well in what it means to live out and live out as children of light and be used by the Lord in the process. Um, and I'm just really excited at how this works so well together with Gideon and stepping out in faith and stepping out into what God has called us to here in Zimbabwe at this point in time. So I'm going to pray and then we will get stuck into the message. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are such a good God. I want to thank you that whilst the world may seem like it's in, in turmoil or we don't really know the next week or month ahead, I want to thank you that you do. I want to thank you that your kingdom advance never stops. I want to thank you that you are always with us, that you always have something fresh and exciting for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that today in these moments together, you would ignite new and fresh things in our lives. You would speak to us with clarity. You would challenge us. You would instruct us. Ultimately, we would walk in line with you, in line with your purpose for our lives, that we would be open to what you would say. We would be obedient to what you would say, that Holy Spirit, you would speak to us where there is need. Thank you that you are so, so faithful. Your powerful name we pray. Amen. Great. So I don't know where you are at on your spiritual journey right now. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know if you're feeling down. I don't know if you're feeling um, depressed. I don't know if you are feeling excited for life. Um, I just want you to know that God is, is ready and, and waiting to speak to you. That's what we've been looking at at Gideon. Gideon was in a tough spot. So, so last week, just a little bit of a, a recap, we looked at Gideon was a man who uh, their, their city, um, them as a people, were sort of surrounded by a, another group that had come in. They were kind of captive in a way. Everything was getting stolen from them. Israel was in a very tough place. We saw this man, Gideon, who was uh, threshing wheat in a wine press to sort of keep a little bit hidden. So, so, so he was fearful and God spoke to him. God came out of nowhere. He came and he spoke to Gideon, a specific purpose for him. And we go through this process with Gideon, who's a pretty uh, a scared guy. He was a little bit of unsure of himself. He kept hearing from God through the passage last week, Judges 6. And finally, at the end, he comes to this place of going, oh my goodness, I was actually talking to God. He was speaking to me. And now I want to listen to what he has to say. That's how we closed off. And so he realizes who God is. And now he's waiting for God to give him the next step. Have you had a time in your life where you felt God speak to you or say, I'm going to do something in your life and nothing happens? It's almost like he doesn't give you the next step. Maybe you felt God speak to you clearly through scripture. Someone's prayed for you. You've had a dream. You've had a word from a friend and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you've been waiting a month. Maybe you've been waiting a year. Maybe you've been waiting 10 years. I was talking to my wife, Sarah, last week saying, uh, in the middle of the night, God suddenly brought to mind a word someone spoke to me about 10 years ago. Hasn't happened yet, but it starts to, it's starting to feel like what they said, which sounded really strange then, is starting to happen in my life. It's starting to make sense. And maybe that's what you feel like. Maybe you feel like you've been waiting for something God said to you to actually happen. And I really believe he's going to do something in your life today and in the weeks ahead like he does in Gideon in the story. And so that's where we pick up the story. God's spoken and now Gideon's waiting for the next step. That's what he is doing. Thankfully for him, he didn't have to wait long. So if you've been waiting, don't worry. God's timing is perfect. He will speak to you, the situation where you're at. But if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn 
to Judges 6 and verses 25. So that's where we're picking up the story. And uh, this is what it says. We're going to go through it sort of verse by verse. We're loving doing that as a church. We as a church want to really get to grips with Scripture and all of Scripture. We don't want to just sort of take parts that we like. We want to work through different books of the Bible, work through characters. We want to get down to um, God and His Word in a deep and meaningful way. So let's read together 6 verse 25. On that very night, so Gideon's just worked out who God is and then God is sort of a bit silent. On that very night, he didn't have to wait long, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and a second bull seven years old, then tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Build a well-constructed altar to the Lord your God on top of this mound. Take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah pole you have cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his male servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's family and the men of the city to do it in the daytime, he did it at night. So we're going to look at a little bit, of, a few things we can bring out from this and we'll dive into the rest. So a few things we can get from this on that very night. And I'm trusting, as I said, this for you today. I want you to be expectant right now as we speak, right now as we look at scripture, be expectant for God to show you the next step in your life. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it is something happening at work. Maybe you're needing wisdom for a situation. I want you to be ready for the next step. Be expectant because on that very night, God spoke to Gideon and he wants to show you that next step. So God speaks and the challenge is to each of us is are we listening? I've got no doubt God's speaking to each of us every day, but are we listening, really listening? Or do we kind of only want God to speak to us in, in the areas that, that we're happy for Him to speak or to tell us things that we like or tell us things that we enjoy? I want each of us to remember that at the end of the day, God is the one who is on the throne. He's the one who is in charge. He rules supreme. He sees the end from the beginning. He is in charge of our lives and not ourselves and he wants to work out his purposes in our lives for our good and for his glory but are we listening because so often we want to do what we want to do and I want to challenge you today let's be people who do what God wants us to do so he speaks and this is what he says take your father's young bull and a second bull take your father's take your father's now this is the scary thing is that Gideon's family had moved from following God into following the things of the tribe that had taken over. So he had moved to being a worshiper of God to a worshiper of created God. So actually in their property, in their area, was the altar to Baal and an Asherah pole as well. So it was very sad that his family wasn't, selling, uh, wasn't following God. And where he says, take your father's bull, a bull would have been immensely valuable, right? In a time where you're under oppression, where, people, where things are getting stolen from an opposing tribe the whole time. A bull would have been massive at that time. So God's saying to Gideon, he's saying, your dad, who is not following God, your family, I want you to take his bull. You're going to offer it as a sacrifice. This meant that he was asking Gideon to go against his dad and his family and to do something that would cost the family pretty dear, would cost them a bull. A seven-year-old bull. This wasn't something that was, you know, easily short-changed. He needed to make a stand for Christ and to do what was right in his own family first, to make a stand for Christ, before being used by God beyond 
God was saying, Gideon, it's time for you to move out of the wine press and into visibility. It's time for you to be seen and to make your faith visible. And I want to start it in your own family. Before I do anything in your life beyond, I want you to get things right in your own family before. You're not going to be able to hide your faith. Your faith is not going to be able to be silent anymore when you step out for me. And God's going to challenge you and I in this area as well. We need to have our homes in order before he can use us beyond that. Not perfect. None of our homes are ever going to be perfect because we're imperfect people. We're all going to have trials and issues in our families. That's going to happen um, the whole time. But are we doing everything possible to ensure that God is honored in our own family before racing to do things beyond uh, for the Lord? Maybe you should just do a quick health check of your family right now. Maybe just say, Holy Spirit, would you please show me areas in me personally and the role that I play in my family and my extended family? Holy Spirit, would you just show me right now just sort of things that are out of sync, things that need to be brought to light, things that aren't right with you? Is there anything that you need to speak about as a family, as husband or wife, with your kids, with extended family? Is there anything as a Christ follower you need to share for Jesus to be honored in your home where he's not being honored? I, I just really feel the Holy Spirit wanting to challenge us in that as he challenged Gideon in the process as well. So then it says, take your father's young bull and a second bull seven years old. Now this is quite funny because you'll notice through the passage that actually only the second bull is ever mentioned. We never hear about these two different bulls. And so there's actually a lot of debate if you look through the original language in that phrase and it can almost be in, in Hebrew it can mean the same as namely. So a lot of what they're saying is that actually when God was talking, he was talking about the same bull, but he was saying, take your father's bull, namely the seven-year-old bull. So don't worry about it. It's just interesting. You might read it and go, but where's the other bull? What happened to the other bull? And I don't think it's that God sort of forgot about that bull to take with. Either that bull was used to tear down the altar together or else it was the same, but it's irrelevant to the rest of the story. It's just quite interesting. So God says, take this young bull, we read it over here, uh, seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So what he asks him to do, and then he says, and sacrifice that bull on the fire made from the Asherah pole as a sacrifice to me. Um, and Asherah, just so you know, Asherah was a goddess and often these poles were erected where she was worshipped. There was sort of a link between her and uh, the god Baal in some senses, but it was a pole and you would worship her in that place. Do you know what I love about this story? I love the contrast between the living God and between these created gods. Why? Well, the symbol for the god Baal was a bull. And don't you love the fact that God says, take an earthly bull and pull down this altar to Baal. And then he also says, cut up the wood from this pole that was used to worship Asherah and then burn it and burn the bull on top of it. I love the fact that God is saying again, these are most definitely the huge difference between earthly, a bull, and, uh, and, and this Asherah pole and this God and me. And what I want you to do is break these things down, smash them down and put them as a sacrifice to me. What he's saying is, is that world faiths aside, there's a huge difference between any world faith and between the God that we serve, the real God, the one true God, the big G God. There's a massive difference. But a quick challenge to each of us there. We might not say that we are worshiping another earthly God. We might not be saying we follow Islam or anything else. But you know what? We so often worship what's created instead of the one true God. 
We so often do that in our lives. For them, it was Baal and Asherah. But to us, it could be wealth. could be our bodies, physical fitness in our bodies. It could be our health that we worship. It could be success, being successful in the world's eyes, maybe position, maybe people. Maybe we worship a person, as it were. They are priority to us over anything else. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a colleague, but we worship them above anything else. Maybe it's safety. Maybe in this time you've realized that you being safe is more of a God to you than following the one true God. I'm not sure what the created God is to you. God will show you that, but it's a great challenge for each of us. You name it, we can worship created things. We can turn them into idols. I want you to, 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 to know today that those things fall drastically short to following the one true God. Don't make that mistake. Keep asking God what it is in your life that's taking first place over him. And then with the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, the ultimate one who was put on wood, put on a cross for each of us and sacrificed for our sin, with him, pull down that idol in your life, cut it up, burn it and do it again and again and again and be ruthless about it every single day. Let God reign over every area of our lives. Let Jesus be king over every area over every area and be absolutely ruthless. We all need to do this daily. Lord Jesus, is there anything that's become an idol to me over you? I also love God's clarity. Look at this. Verse 26, God says, build a well-constructed altar to the Lord your God on top of this mount. Might be quite strange, but God could have said, oh, just build an, build an altar. He says, no, I want you to build something well. I want you to do it excellently. Gideon, this is for me. It's just a small thing that throws in there, but it's such a challenge for us as Christ followers to do things with excellence. We serve a God of excellence. And no matter what we do, whether it's our eight to five job, if we have it, whether it is looking after things in our home, whether it is um, a, a, a business that we are running or anything else like that, do it excellently as to the Lord and not for men. God loves things done excellently because he is an excellent God. We carry on. So build this, take the second bull, offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. Verse 27, so Gideon took 10 of his male servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's family and the men of the city to do it in the daytime, he did it at night. Now, do you notice how God just says, take your father's bull and go and do this. What did Gideon say? He's like, okay, great. That's, that's excellent, God, but I'm going to take these 10 servants just to maybe help me build it. I know you didn't say it, but I'm going to do it, and I'm also going to do it at nighttime. Why did he do it? Because he was, he was fearful. He was scared. As he was in the wine press when he was, when he was threshing wheat, he was fearful. He's fearful of the consequences and the repercussions of being obedient to God. So he was obedient, and God is so gracious with us. He's, he's so kind. He's so caring, but he, he kind of followed God, but he wanted his little backup plan. Back a plan in case something happens. I've got 10 servants to help me in the process. My challenge to each of us is just go. Go into what God's calling you to do. Go even if you're fearful. Go even if it doesn't make sense. You don't have to have backup plans. God's working in your life, but just go. Even if you don't know the end result, go. If God prompts in your heart right now or tomorrow, you go to the shops or you're at a restaurant, He prompts in your heart, you just need to pray for that person. Go. Don't worry about backups, just do it. You feel God putting on your heart to give generously to someone or something you've heard about, just give. What you feel God saying to you, go for it. Just go without thinking about the backups. Just be obedient. God loves faith. What a great challenge. Verse 28. 
When the men of the city got up in the morning, they found Baal's altar torn down and the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull offered up on the altar that had been built. They said to each other, who did this? After they made a thorough investigation, they said, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. This shows the standing of Gideon's family in society. The city, for the city to know about it in the morning when they got up and to know about it pretty quickly means either, in my mind, that altar was the main altar in the city that his dad was erected where his dad was, or else the family was in high standing. So it got known pretty quickly or it was close knit. People could see the flames. Or, you know, word got around pretty quickly. It just shows the standing in that place. There will come a time when you need to make a stand that will be known and seen by others. First to your family, but then your obedience to God will be seen by others. It may be seen by people in your workplace. It may be seen by uh, friendship circles, by your, your, your kids' parents and, and those sorts of things at, at school hangouts. But it will be known beyond the walls of your home. In fact, it has to happen. It's why Jesus said when you come to Christ, it's like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. It's a light that we don't hide under something, under a bowl. No, when we come to Christ, it's visible. People can see that we belong to something different. Our light must shine. People must know that we stand for something different in the world. And when light and darkness collide, there is an impact. It's seen. It's known it's different. We can't live out our, our faith in a comfortable, safe, protected silo. It has to go beyond. So just like for Gideon, where him being obedient to God was seen by the city, there was a cost to it, him being obedient. The same thing for us. Us living out for God will be seen. So this is what um, they do. They find out after some, probably some, uh, some tense interrogation of different servants and things, they find out who it was. And this is their response. Verse 30. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he tore down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Where was Gideon in this process? Do you notice that he was hiding in his father's house? He was probably in absolute panic. He did it. He was obedient to God. And in the minute he did it, I reckon he went into his father's house and hid in a room in the process. His family, although likely angry, still loved him. And so they would have protected him. He was allowed to be in the home in the process. Um, but imagine what was going through his mind in that moment. There's been interrogations going on. He's hiding in a home going, am I going to be killed? Am I going to be tortured? God, why did I listen to you in the first place? Why did I bother to do what you said to me? Because now I'm going to die or I'm going to get horrifically tortured. But, but why, God, where are you in this process? He might have been saying, God, if I get through this, I'm never going to listen to you again. If I survive, that is. Come on, God, I obeyed you. Things were supposed to turn out right. What do you mean? I, I followed everything else. Why has it turned like this? Friends, I want to tell you that being obedient to God does not mean that you will suddenly live this rosy, comfortable, safe life. There's much false teaching in the world today that sort of says, may say it in different ways, but it's kind of like if you follow God, if you toe the line, if you do the right things, if you, if you do everything you're supposed to, then everything goes well for you. You, you get given kind of everything that you want. You get to live your own life and you follow God and He kind of provides you with everything and it's all rosy. But that's absolutely unbiblical. Can you imagine right now if uh, we just had a little uh, coffee hangout and um, if I was able to bring in Paul from the Bible and Peter and James, uh, a few of the early followers, some of the other church leaders, even if we went back a few centuries and, and some of the early church guys and if I just sat them down and just said, hey guys, I just want to find from all of you, I'd love to get a consensus. 
I'd love to ask you guys. So when it come, came down to being obedient to God and living out your faith, how did it go in an earthly sense? I would imagine that, you know, they would laugh if I was like, guys, I just want to confirm, admit when you follow God in obedience, everything goes brilliantly. They would laugh at me. They'd be like, Craig, what are you talking about? Firstly, Jesus didn't promise it. But secondly, look at all of us. Look at how our lives were. Look at what we went through when we lived out our faith. Yes, Jesus was with us and uh, we, we experienced closeness to him and we knew that we were living for another world. But it was tough. It was hectic. Our obedience did not make life go easily for us. We obey Christ because we know He loves us, because we love Him, and because we know ultimately His ways are best, that He's in control and He is working for our good regardless of what it looks like. And so I want to challenge us on this. I want you to know that you being obedient to Jesus, it will mean your life is full of purpose and full of joy and full of excitement. But there is no promise in the Bible that says by you doing that, things are going to go amazingly in your life. There isn't a promise like that. And that's what Gideon was facing right now. But he might have had those questions. But look at what happened to him on the back of these struggles. Verse 31. But Joash said to him, uh, said to all. Um, so, but Joash, this is his dad, said to all who stood against him, would you plead Baal's case for him? Would you save him? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him plead his own case because someone tore down his altar. That day, this is Gideon, he was called Jeroboam since Joash said, let Baal contend with him because he tore down the altar. This is so interesting. Firstly, we see this amazing picture of a dad who is now standing up for his son and who is protecting his son and who's making a stand of faith. He's making a stand of faith. You know, Joash hasn't been following God. He had Baal's altar there. But in the courage of Gideon, his son, he suddenly turns around in his faith and he starts to defend the one true God. It sparks a change in himself. Sometimes your faith is needed to ignite faith in someone else. Sometimes you taking a stand brings out of the woodwork someone who was too afraid to in the first place. Someone needs to see your courage for them to turn to Christ. So, so let's be like Gideon and as we take a stand, others will see that in the process. So he stands up to the city and he points out, guys, this is pathetic. You're trying to defend a God who is supposedly a God. Let him sort out Gideon on his own. Let him strike down Gideon on his own. And if he doesn't do anything, he's not a real God in the first place anyway. And of course, nothing happens because no one stands against the one true God. Of course, nothing happens because it's a created thing versus the one who created everything. Nothing stands against the one true God. We have nothing to fear when it comes to spiritual battles. Nothing is even close to our king. It's not even a fair fight. The God of the universe who sustains the world by the power of his word, who knows the beginning from the end, we trust and rest in this king. It's not a fair fight. It's amazing that we get to serve a God this powerful. But look at the result for Gideon in this short story. He gave, got given a different name since Joash said, let Baal contend with him because he tore down the altar. Gideon became known in the city for Christ. Gideon was almost given a new name and as a result, we'll see when we, when we get to speak into it later, that as a result, people started to follow Gideon because they saw the one true God at work in his life. It was as a result of this that the rest of God's plan could unfold of him stepping out obedience in a small thing first with his family, then bigger in terms of being known in the city for the city to see the one true God. Friends, as I close and I'm going to pray for you in this process, can I say that 
no matter how big or small, you being obedient to God, no matter what the cost, will allow God to work out His purpose in your life and will allow other people to see Christ as a result. And we live in a world in darkness, a world that desperately needs to see the power and the presence and the love of Christ who need to be set free from their sin. And they are able to see it as we step out in obedience. So, so let's pray together. And I want you to even be expectant right now as we pray. Let's be expectant that the King of the universe speaks to each of us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for every single person who's tuned in, every person who's listening on podcast, who's listening to the, the, the WhatsApp uh, MP3 right now, who's, who's watching this um, uh, right now on, on YouTube. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you speak. Thank you that you speak, whether it's through our ears, whether it's what we're seeing. You're speaking right now, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would raise up by your power, Holy Spirit, people of courage at Harvest and Beyond. I pray there will be people who walk by your Spirit, people who want to smash every idol in our lives to follow the, the ultimate God, the one true God. I pray that you would give us courage as you speak to us to step out in faith, even with timidity. Thank you that you bring that to us. As a result, Lord Jesus, I pray that we would become cities on a hill. I pray that we would become uh, lights that are not hidden under bowls. I pray that as a result of our courage, people who don't know you would see you, Lord Jesus, that people would come to faith as a result of us living like that. And Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that we don't rely on our, on our strength. Thank you that you are the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate bull as it was, that was crucified for us. You're the ultimate one who everyone can look to and go, that's the God who died and rose again. And that's where our strength comes from. It's not our own strength, it's yours. So I pray as we move into the week ahead, we would live lives of power and of authority and of, be of obedience in the big and the small. In your amazing name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, I trust that encar encouraged you and, and just step out. Please send through testimonies of what it's like when, of what God does in your life this week as you step out in faith. We would love to hear. We would love to share it with the church. Otherwise, have a brilliant day and we will be in touch with you soon. Thank you so much.